Hi everyone. <laughs> welcome, welcome. <laughs> it's great to see you all. Well, it's interesting. We're here for our second uh, weekly movie gathering online here. And um, yeah, we didn't... Uh, Ken was getting some requests yesterday, like, what's the movie? What's the movie? And he's like, I, I don't know. We probably won't know till a half an hour before the movie. We still didn't know. But then several minutes ago, maybe 15 minutes ago, uh, we got the movie. <laughs> you know, we, we're very patient to wait till 15 minutes before the movie starts. And then uh, there were so many good movies. I mean, the main themes that you all were sending in to us were, were trust. You really wanted to know about trust and guidance. And you wanted to know about communication. And so uh, this movie qualified for us. It came in because it's the main character is going to be on a, a big adventure of trust. I'm talking mega trust. And also, uh, you know, after that movie we had last week with Frequency, we just, it just knocked everybody's socks off and it just went so deep, you know, transcending the world of time. It just went into the happy dream. So we thought, well, we have to have a movie that can follow up that kind of movie. We have to have a knock your socks off. We have to have a, a great, spectacular movie that, that really takes you back to singularity, to the idea, to the experience that there's only one of us. Because admittedly, for human beings, it doesn't seem like there's one of us. It seems like when, if you watch the news, if you watch, look on the internet, it seems like there's seven billion individuals going through all kinds of predicaments in time and space right now, is the way it looks, through fragmented perception. And so when you pray, you're really praying to show me the connection, show me the love, show me the transcendence, you know, let me feel the experience that I am one with God and one with all my brothers and sisters. So that's kind of like our overriding criteria we have for the movie. That's all it has to fulfill for us. It has to allow us to, to take us all the way into a, a, a beautiful feeling of connection. So, this movie we're going to watch tonight is called Oblivion. And uh, Oblivion, the thing about Oblivion, it, it's a great word because when you think about Oblivion, uh, it may conjure up all kinds of, of images in your mind. Sometimes people think of space, like they think of space travel and, and being out, like, kind of like an interstellar, when you're way, way, way out away from things familiar uh, that you feel like you're in oblivion. But remember what Jesus tells us in A Course in Miracles. He says, the world you see is, is backwards and upside down. Uh, I remember years ago, somebody told me, uh, they told me this uh, ancient Chinese saying, and they said to me, David, did you hear about the ancient Chinese saying? 
I said, what? And they said, well, it's actually, it's actually an ancient Chinese curse. I mean, I'm not talking about COVID. Uh, this is an ancient Chinese curse. And, and the way it goes is it says, the ancient Chinese curse is, may you live in exciting times. Okay, that's the curse. <laughs> so if that's a curse, may you live in exciting times, what's the wisdom uh, underneath that? What's the, the beautiful non-dual wisdom? It's that maybe what we have considered our daily lives and what we consider planet Earth and time space and all of our, the things, the TV shows we watch and the cable shows and the internet and all the different shows and everything, you know, the seeming variety and everything, may be from the Chinese curse, may you live in an exciting time. If that's a curse, then it must be a warning of something. And, and I would say that what if the world that we perceive through our five senses in this fragmented kind of way, what if that's oblivion? And what if we've lost touch with reality? What if there's a reality called heaven or nirvana or divine love that is so beautiful that Jesus says you would weep if you even had the faintest recognition, recollection of it. If you remember just the faintest glimmering of love, the faintest glimmering of light, you would start bursting into tears because you would become oh, so overwhelmed with love that you would just cry um, because it would be so beautiful. It would be, it would be a beauty beyond words to describe, like, oh my God, like, oh my God, that's been there all along, and what was I thinking? And what, what, how could I get mesmerized in this thing of time and space? And what if time and space, as, as we've seemed to experience it with, with our linear lives, what if that's oblivion? And what if reality is what oblivion's been covering up? So, there's another real famous saying that says, uh, familiarity breeds contempt. That's an interesting one too. Put those, the Chinese curse together with that one. <laughs> May you live in exciting times. It's the curse. And familiarity breeds contempt. What if we've become so adapted and accustomed to a lie that we no longer think it's a lie? That we consider time and space and bodies and, and what we call our life on earth. Well, what if we think that's life and we've completely blocked eternal life out of awareness and we've, we've accepted the images as being life. You know, we've accepted what was presented to us by the ego as, as a good substitute, as something where we say, okay, all right, I'll go for that, I'll, I'll go for that. And, and if we took it on as an identity and then not realizing it, we, we became so accustomed, so familiar with oblivion that we forgot all about joy. We forgot all about happiness. We, we forgot all about 
light and love and eternity and we've got so enamored. So this movie tonight, what's good about it is is it's just it's a Tom Cruise movie, you know, it's like this is this is like instead of mission impossible, this is mission possible. Except he's just like everyone else, you know, he's he's dealing with emotions, he's dealing with survival, he's everyone who's who's given way to this ego belief system of time and space, there's, you're dealing with practicalities emotionally every day, psychologically, uh, what seems to be survival of the body. Uh, you know, when, when we get close in the course to that I need do nothing section, you know, Jesus right near there, he's going to start to say things like, uh, what, what is it that you do that does not involve the body? It's just like an honest question in the middle of his text. He's like saying, what do you do that does not involve the body? In other words, he's saying, everything you think about during the day and everything you think about for all of your seeming lives on earth is always about the body. What plans do you make, he says, that do not involve the body? None. You know, all of the plans involve the body uh, in some way, shape, or form. And he's basically saying, like Shakespeare said, much ado about nothing, that you're giving your mind over to oblivion, you're giving your mind over to something that really doesn't mean anything at all, but you think it does, and then you've got all these emotions that come up around believing in the reality of that. So that's what makes this a great movie for our movie night here, for our awakening, is because it's going to start off in a condition where Earth is basically been ravaged. Uh, I believe it's by aliens. It's been ravaged. It basically is, is not really inhabitable. It's, uh, it's almost like if you would think of a desert. It's, we were considering so many movies for tonight, and one of them was After Earth, which Earth is ravaged and wild in that movie. We were thinking, what was some of the other Interstellar. ones? Interstellar, where floods and, and drought and food shortages. You know, that's what I saw on my phone before I came over to do the movie. It was like on Google, major food shortages on planet Earth forecast. You know, I'm like, oh. Sounds like Interstellar. And there was a number of ones that we looked at, and, and this movie is no different. Um, right now with, with COVID, the coronavirus going on, and all the media coverage and everything that's going on, and people being put into body bags all over the place, basically uh, this, this movie is going to start off with Earth as being pretty much uninhabitable. And, uh, and therefore, like in Interstellar, they had to go through a wormhole to kind of look for a, an, an alternate home, <laughs> a place to live. And this one, I think it's called the Tetra. There's going to be a place like, like that's built um, for, it's for the civilization. So we might say that there's been a migration uh, from whatever's left of the human species to this Tetra. 
Tetra, and then basically for Tom Cruise and his partner, you know, that's like that's like their thing in the future that they're going to get to go to. They're kind of doing a mission on Earth to kind of maintain a few things, a few resources on Earth, but hoping to get out, to get out of Earth, to get away from Earth, to go to some better place. And I do think that right now that's something that's a pretty common perception on planet Earth right now where, where people are, are going, what happened to my life and what happened to the world that I knew? Uh, it's not the same world and and the mind can start to wander into, I would like, yeah, I would like a better life. And what Jesus is really teaching us in the Course is, well, you're really only going to be satisfied with eternal life. You, you think you want a better life, and it's okay to hope and wish and what you want to use your mind for, but basically he's saying you won't really be content. You won't go eureka. You won't go aha. You won't go wow. You won't go yes. You know, you won't have that big, huge confirmation until you discover eternity. So before then, you know, you might get a few nice little vistas. Oh, sweet, sweet. That's good, 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 good. You know, oh, that's better, 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 better. Jesus is not really so big on evolution. Uh, he's into eternal life. He's basically saying what you think is life for you isn't life at all. He's not saying it's kind of life. <laughs> he's not saying that it's sort of life. He's saying it doesn't have any relationship to do with eternal life. That time and eternity, he says in the Course, cannot coexist. One is real and one is not. That's kind of cool when you really start to give yourself over to that idea. Time and eternity cannot coexist. When you, it's like right now, he says you're dissociating, but if you bring them together, only the light remains. The Bible said that too. Perfect love, cast out fear. I could give you A Course in Miracles interpretation of that is, you know, eternity cast out doubt or uh, everlasting cast away time, linear time. Perfect love cast out fear. So we're going into an adventure with, with our Tom Cruise character. He's our main character and, you know, he has his Earth life, he's just trying to make the best of it. You know, that's what people are doing now in quarantine and lockdown. They're just making the best of it. He's kind of in a little more desolate Earth than, than what seems to be the time frame of Earth right now. He's in a, a, an Earth that's been, we'll say, invaded and robbed of its resources and basically left like a desolate desert. And, and he's down there to do some... Uh, repair and maintenance work <laughs> in this place. But a lot of people feel that way with their, with their lives now. They, they were used to going out to dinner, going out to the movie theater, taking lots of walks and doing lots of things, going around and hugging their friends and, and walking their dogs and, and playing with their cats outside and, and all kinds of things. And now it's been, for the last several weeks, kind of quarantine and it's just a it's like a little teeny teeny taster of of desolate not not full on desolate but it's like just a little taster of of 
deprivation of, of things being taken away that were there before and now they're gone. Now with this movie, another thing I really love about this is our Tom Cruise character. He's, he's got to face what is going on, which many people are asking that question right now. What the hell is going, is going on? What is happening? You know, he's got that same question. What is going on? And he has to look at his world and his life. And at some point, all of us have to take an honest look at the world that we perceive. And uh, the Peggy Lee song said, you know, is that all there is? Uh, I would say at some point you have to say, did I settle for something? You know, maybe you don't think of it every morning like, did I make a bargain with the devil, but, but did I settle in some way for something that's not vibrant? Did I settle for something that's not joy? There's two lessons in the workbook of A Course in Miracles where Jesus basically gives a little mini lecture on death. If you ever want to check them out, it's Lessons 163 and 167. Jesus gives a little sermon in Lesson 163 and 167 on death. And at one point, he says death is, is any experience you have that is not supremely happy. Even a little sigh of weariness, Jesus says, is death. That's a, that's a real definition. That's a great definition. A sigh of weariness is death. He says, yeah, anything that is not supremely happy is death. So he's giving us a contrast saying, your reality is so spectacular that you would cry, you would weep if you got the faintest glimmering of this reality. And with this movie, we're going to see the main character go through questioning like, what's going on? What is happening? He's still concerned about survival and all these different things. And then he's going to start to get these memory flashes. And some of us have had those too. Where he starts to feel this love. He starts to feel this connection. He starts to get these memory flashes that are going to start to come in. And that's what we would call miracles. He starts to experience some miracles, some memories. And... Uh, they tend to be centered around him and this woman. The only thing is, it's not the woman that is, is his partner. Uh, he's getting flashes of something that is so full of joy and happiness and simplicity and contentment. And he starts to get these flashes of memory. And that's what we all need. That's why we have A Course in Miracles, is because we need something that's a touchstone. We need something when our heart starts to open up, when we start to feel that, that love stirring, that expansiveness stirring, that gets his attention. And that gets our attention when we start to feel love. We start to really go, whoa, whoa. It's kind of like in the Matrix when Neo goes, whoa. We have to have a whoa moment where we got, oh yeah, now that... That's worthwhile. That's, that's worth going for. And that's good because we, that will mirror what we're going through in, in this awakening too. And then 
as you start to follow those intuitive feelings and that intuitive guidance, which our main character is going to have to do, even though it, it seems like it goes against the status quo, even though it goes beyond the familiar world that he's accustomed to, he has to start to open his mind to something else. And I think that's, that's the reason we're watching this movie, is because he's like a, an example, he's like a way shower for all of us that we have to open our minds to, to be shown. We have to, we have to let ourselves be shown. We have to let the truth be revealed to us. We can't presume that we know anything about anything. We want to be shown. And, and I think it's very, very beautiful in the sense that um, everybody will be able to relate to that point where you start to feel this love and then you start to say, am I really going to go for it and follow this deep feeling of love even though I don't know what it is and I can't place it? He can't place those memories. Those memories seem to have been pushed out of awareness somehow, in some way. And what he believes is in front of him, the world he perceives in front of him, he has to start to question the validity of what his eyes, his ears, what his five senses seem to be showing. He has to begin to question the validity of perception. And that's that's a common theme in a lot of movies, and that's what, what the adventure is about. So, buckle in again like you did last week. Instead of uh, this being like a, like a murder mystery, uh, this is kind of like a sci-fi, Mission Possible Tom Cruise movie, where, of course, mission has to be possible, Know thyself, we have to be able to come to know thyself through whatever is presented to us. And you've got to love the trust that he has. I would say mostly intuitive trust because it's not like he's getting a whole lot of symbols around him until he starts to have these pushed down, repressed memories and start flooding little by little coming back into awareness and then he doesn't even know what that is but he knows it feels really loving and it feels very meaningful and he's got to follow it uh, even though he, he has no idea where that will lead and that's, that's what the case is for all of us. So let's Settle in, start the movie, and if we get to some really key, juicy scenes, then I'll pause the movie and give a little commentary so we can get a little insight on these key scenes. So enjoy the movie. Okay, let's pause it there. Okay, now it's starting to get interesting. There was a security wipe, a kind of amnesia that was meant to block out darkness and devastation and so the parallels with what we're looking at 
start to come at this point in the movie. I mean, he's had these memories that's been flashing through to him of before the war. And so we might say before devastation and before the wipe. And he has a curiosity. And you have to have a curiosity in the sense for the spiritual journey. You can't just accept the world that's presented to you through the five senses like in the Matrix, you know, you can't just accept what is shown to you unless you have a curiosity for what's really going on, what's, what lies beneath, what is underneath this. And so we are told in A Course in Miracles that there was the belief in se separation from Source or from God was devastating there's been some kind of amnesia, memory wipe, and an entire generated matrix, an entire generated substitute reality, an entirely different substitute identity has been generated from time and space. And at some point, there's something inside that starts to get activated just to start to question, question not so much just the images, but wh how did the images get there? What are the images hiding? What are these emotions of fear that are so intense? What lies beneath these dark emotions? Is there something that came prior, before the devastation? Is there an I amness that's prior to separation, prior to guilt, prior to fear, prior to darkness. So he's getting these memory flashes and then the, Julia shows up and Julia has been the memory flashes and so she shows up and she seems to have been in Delta sleep for 60 years but, but He's quite curious about the memories, and when he starts to bring them up with his assigned partner, she is reminding him, remember, we're, our job is to forget. In other words, she's totally into the wipe, the memory wipe, and now we have a mission to do to survive personally and interpersonally, and for the survival of the species, but he's interested in going much, much deeper. He's, he's interested in what is underneath. And we heard him say earlier that he's, he, has, he wonders things that his assigned partner does not. He has questions that his assigned partner does not. And of course that has to be there by his own election, that she's She's like representing his desire not to know. Uh, she's representing the desire to stay asleep, to stay ignorant, and to stay focused. Let's focus on the mission, Jack. Like, okay, we had the memory wipe, now we've got our mission. She's also focused very much on the future. She is really intent on those two weeks. She brings that up a lot those two weeks, first to get to the Tet and then to get to Titan, because what? She's interested in a future life. 
And all of us who have been interested in a future life, all of us who've had ambitions on planet Earth, ambitions in time and space, to try to make something of ourselves, to try to become something in the future, to try to be successful. All those self-help books that we read, all those visits to the library, all those seminars, workshops to become a better person, they're all part of a fake, generated distraction from knowing who I am right now which has always been the only thing that can ever be known. That's why Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. Before time and space were, there is a memory. There's a memory of God. There's a memory of Christ. There's a memory of the holy instant. There's a very important memory, and even if there's been a wipe, even if we've had a memory wipe, and even if it seems to have been a successful memory wipe, so successful that you don't even remember what it was wiping away, what it took the place of, there's something inside that's very curious. Something inside that goes, I need some answers. Something inside that is not so satisfied with the amnesia, the ignorance, the memory wipe, and this pseudo-journey now, this journey of time and space. You know, it's, it's quite easy to get caught up in the whole idea that we're on a linear journey. Uh, I remember when I first read the Bible, I was kind of reading the red letters from the New Testament. One of the things I came upon in the New Testament was when Jesus said, the birds of the air have their nests, and the foxes have their holes, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And at first I was like, wow, what does that mean? The Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Ooh, it's cryptic. There's something important in there. That's right. Who we are has no place in time and space to lay its head. Because who we are is prior to time and space. Who we are is prior to Earth. We were talking about watching the movie After Earth. What's before Earth? You know, what's before time and space? What's before the wipe? What's before the memory wipe? What's before the ignorance? So, to me, when I'm watching this movie, it's like, okay, it's been slowly evolving that he gets these memory flashes, and now the woman that he keeps dreaming about in these memory flashes, even though there's there's like, it looks like on top of the Empire State Building. It looks like it's before the war. It looks like it's, it's from a time where there seemed to be a, a civilization far, far beyond what, what they're perceiving right now. He's having these memories and he's, he's starting to get curious. He, he picked up this book. He picks up these books that he finds and he's He's curious, he's reading these books, these ancient books. Like the Course is like an ancient text. <laughs> it's a very ancient text. He's reading the books, he's wondering, he's wondering. And there has to be something that is prior to this memory wipe, that, that maybe he's been told a story 
and maybe he's believed in it like we could say we go through with earth and maybe now we're starting to question the whole thing. Maybe the whole thing is not real. Maybe the whole thing is not true. Maybe it's been some kind of vast deception, vast self-deception that we are not, we're not talking about the Illuminati or little conspiracies on earth. We're talking about a time-space conspiracy. We're talking about a memory wipe of wiping away heaven and bringing on something that is so unlike heaven that it has no, it bears no resemblance whatsoever to heaven. That's why to become accustomed to it or familiar with it is double jeopardy. If it's not real and you identify with it as being real, that is sneaky, sneaky, sneaky. That's becoming identified. Your identification with something that was made to hide the truth, that was made for only one reason, to keep you from knowing who you are. All of time and space was invented for only one reason. And until you can see that reason clearly, and until the Holy Spirit and Jesus can show you that that's not a good reason, that's not something to believe in, that's not something to put one bit of your mind into, if it's total self-deception, it's a death wish. It's like Jesus is saying, why would you give your mind, your beautiful holy mind over to a death wish? That's the most unlike thing ever to heaven, unlike to the light, unlike to eternity. So in the movie it's very, very symbolic at this point because now he not only sees her face in the pod and recognizes her from his dreams, but then he brings her home uh, and uh, she is revived and now she's starts to be coming to and everything. And you notice when she was revived, she looked over and she went, Jack. Uh-oh, now it's getting closer than dreams. It's, it's close dreams when, when he wakes her up and, and it lets, helps her escape the pod that she's been sleeping in and she says, Jack. There's some sense of recognition there. These are all just dream symbols, right? It's all a dream, so there's definitely a pretty strong connection, a dream symbol there of recognition. But he has no idea with the story that he's bought of what he is, what he's doing, what his partner's doing, where they're trying to maintain something and basically try to, to go to the Tet and then go on to Titan and, and go where the human species has gone. He's a little bit shocked that the drones who are supposed to be protecting humans were destroying the humans. Hmm. A little bit of a clue that doesn't fit in the story that he's been told. And isn't that the way it goes with all of our lives? We've always, we believed in lots of stories, lots of ambitions, Lots of things that we were told you need to fight for, you need to protect, you need to defend, you need to hold on to, never let go of certain things. You know, we were told these things as part of the dream and then we start to see little cracks in the dream. Little symbols like the Truman Show. 
Truman is in the Truman Show, but he doesn't even know he's in the Truman Show. And then the first scene is he's outside and a cirrus light, like a, a theater light, crashes down on the street. And he goes down and he just taps on it because he doesn't know what it is. What's a light falling from the sky on the street have to do with Sea Haven? this beautiful little idyllic town that he lives in, in Florida. Uh-oh, there's a contradiction there. There's a contradiction. Now, you and I, we've had our similar moments. First of all, Jesus, uh, the things that Jesus was speaking to us were out of pattern. He did not sound very much like a human being. When he was speaking, it sounded more like some kind of otherworldly divine presence speaking. That's why they're, they're the red letters in the Bible, <laughs> because it's like what's speaking is not human. It's actually spirit speaking. And then we've had the saints and the mystics that have spoken things, you know. They seem to be speaking us to us from a place that was not in time and space. I'm thinking about Bhagwan Sri Ramana Maharshi, you know, at the very end of his life, where he has all the disciples gathered around him, he, his body's very, very thin, and his eyes are just glowing, and all the disciples are there. And then, as the body starts to wither and wane away, even though the, the eyes are bright, very, very bright and clear, the disciples start to cry and they're crying, and they're weeping, and they've already begun the grief of the sense of losing Ramana. And what does Ramana say? You know, why? Why are you sad? Where could I go, he says. Where could I go? He, he cannot conceive of grief. He cannot conceive of separation. He cannot conceive that there could be something lost, or he cannot conceive of missing. He cannot conceive of grieving. Because why? Because reality doesn't know of loss. Reality doesn't know of time. All of linear time is the oblivion. And, and the sooner that we realize that the world is oblivion, the sooner we're ready to go within and be still and know the Creator. But as long as there's an investment in time and thinking time still has something valuable, then that's where the, the sadness comes in, the grief, the fear, the guilt, the pain, the shame, the jealousy, the comparison, the competition. I mean, as soon as you invite an illusion into your mind, you take the whole thing the whole kit and caboodle by believing in time and space. You actually are accepting a substitution that is the, the, the largest substitution ever to believe you could be an ego instead of the living Christ. That is a major substitution. Time and space actually look kind of tiny compared to that identity distortion, that identity substitution in the mind believing you're an ego instead of the, the Holy Christ. So in the movie here, it's great because now he is, 
he's starting to get more curious. And basically, uh, what's his partner's name there? Vika. Vika. Vika says, I want her gone tomorrow. <laughs> I want her gone tomorrow. Oh, she's more than a threat to Vika, the woman. She's like a threat to the whole story. She's a threat to the whole construct. She's a threat. Jesus was a threat to all of time and space, not in reality, but, but from the ego's perspective, it's like, uh-oh, uh-oh, what's this? What is this? Because eternity and time can't coexist. So if you are a being that starts to identify with eternity and see that you are one self united with your creator, the ego is going to react in a very sharp way. Because the ego needs your mind to believe in it. The ego needs your mind to perpetuate its ignorance, to perpetuate the illusion. There is no maya unless your mind believes in it. Because if your mind doesn't believe in it, then it's not maya anymore. It's nothing. <laughs> there's nothing there. There's only light. There's only love. That's all there's ever been. So you can see at this point, this is really getting interesting now in this movie because now Julia has showed up. Vika wants her out. She, she better be gone tomorrow. And the whole construct is now starting to be up for grabs. And isn't that what we want? If, if we have believed this world is real and it's actually oblivion, then wouldn't we want at some point to have some kind of reminder break through the symbols and, and say, wake up, <laughs> you've got to wake up from whatever you're b believing in, it is not who you are, and it never was who you are. Not for one instant was it who you are. So let's go back to the movie and see how our, our buddy is going to handle this, because uh, he's starting to get some good signs and symbols, but um, I don't think Vika, I don't think the commander up there with the southern accent, I don't think uh, the ego is going to be too happy uh, when our main character decides that there must be something much deeper and that he has to go find it, whatever that is. But that's our, that's our journey. That's our journey too. I've been to your radiation zones. If you're looking for the truth, that's where you'll find it. He thinks he's been captured by the enemy, and yet they basically are telling, setting him free. If you want to find the truth, you have to go to the, the radiation zones. Those were those red areas that were very clearly marked, like to avoid. And, uh, as I recall, Ken's got his show coming up, Get Real Tomorrow. Wherever you don't want to go, that's where you'll find him. Meaning, in your mind, wherever you don't want to go in your mind, that's where you'll find the Christ. 
Because as long as you're identified with the ego, you don't want to go to find out who you are because the ego is saying that's death. That's obliteration. The ego is saying don't go to find the Christ because you'll die. The ego has made up its own God, an angry, vengeful God. Of course, that's the one that's been taught in many of the religions. It's taught widespread on this planet, many of the religions. And everybody's so talking about Jesus, 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 I want to go to Jesus. But, you know, when I talk to a lot of Christians, the part that scares them the most about the Bible is that part where Jesus says there will be false Christ. And they, and if you follow a false Christ and come before me in the end, in the very end, I will say, I do not know you, depart from me. That's the worst nightmare for a Jesus lover, is have to face the possibility of, I know you not, depart from me. All that is, is the fear of God. Behind that is the fear of the one who sent Jesus. You know, you have to be afraid of God if you're afraid of getting turned away by God in the end. And so here he comes, he gets captured, he thinks he's, it's dark and he thinks this, what are they called, the scrubs? Scabs. The scab. He thinks the scabs have got him until Morgan Freeman turns on the lights and says, we're humans. Oh my gosh, the very ones he's been trying to protect in his story, the humans, are there. They aren't the scabs. And then the scabs basically want him to reprogram this, uh, this drone so they can send a nuclear bomb and blow up the Tet. And, and he has thought the Tet is command central. That's who, that's who he's working for. He thinks his mission is to save and protect the humans, and then suddenly he goes through an experience here and he's like, wait a minute, the drones are trying to kill the humans. They almost killed her, Julia, and they killed her shipmates. And now he's believed, everything that he's believed, a part of his self-concept and story is now getting turned around. And then you have the Morgan Freeman character you know, he did not like it when his white motorcycle was gone. That's as angry as he's got in the whole thing. You take the motorcycle away from Tom Cruise, that's where you really get pissed off. You know, he really was that, that took the damn motorcycle. Well, here it is, they're giving it back to him and saying, free to go. And if you want to find the truth, just go to the radiation zones. Those are those same radiation zones that were, that he'd been told all along that he'll die if he goes there. And now he's been given his motorcycle back and saying, go there if you want the truth. And how does that relate to us? Well, what have we had to go through on our lifetimes? You know, I don't know about you, but every time I started to read philosophy, esoteric scriptures, you know, anything that would point me and start to answer some of my deeper questions. I had a bunch of family and friends that saying, oh, David's going crazy now. He's reading those crazy books. And he's meeting those crazy people. He's going all studying woo-woo. He's gone woo-woo. He was going to be a good 
citizen, a good earning, successful citizen, working a job, getting his pay, and being a good contributor to the gross national product of the United States of America. And then he's gone woo-woo. Now he's gone woo-woo because he's getting, he's talking about Ramana Maharshi and mystics and saints and Mary Magdala and all this and this. Well, you better believe the world's going to tell you not to go there because that's your radiation zone. To go deeper into your mind is what the world is saying, oh no, just get the potato chips out and yeah, you know, do a barbecue or something. It doesn't want you go, to go deep inside your mind. Watch some sports. Get distracted. There's thousands, there's hundreds, of, there's trillions, gazillions of distractions on planet Earth and, and the ego wants you to pick, it doesn't matter, pick any distraction. Just don't ask who you are. Just don't question the nature of everything that you perceive. Just don't go deep inside. Because like it says in, in the movie, uh, what's the revolver? Where you don't want to go, that's where you'll find him. Where you don't want to go in your mind, that's where you're going to find the ego hiding. The, the last place that you would ever look is in your mind. People tell you, go follow this one or that one and you know, eat green and go organic and eat prunes and I did tell you, I mean, go nutritious, do all these things in form, form, form. You want to be enlightened? Eat healthy. You want to be enlightened? Do the right poses, yoga poses, get in the right postures, do the right breathing. You know, come on. And then the last thing you're told to do is just to question everything that you believe. Everything. In fact, it wasn't until I came to the Course that I heard that. I remember I read that from Jesus in A Course in Miracles. To learn this Course requires willingness to question every value that you hold. Not one can be kept hidden or it will obscure your learning. I was like, at last a cheerleader for questioning everything I believe. Everybody was telling me, don't question, just accept it, David. You're this, you're that. You're, this is your lot in life. This is your role. This is your karma. Karma? I'm not even Indian, but no, this is your karma. This is what you have to, this is your life now. This is your life in time and space. Accept it, David. Succumb to being a human. Succumb, succumb. And no, no, no. You have to question every value. So in this movie, now he's reached the point where now he's not so sure about the death. He's not so sure about the drones. And he thought he was pretty sure about the radiation zones. You know, those are those places that are just so lit up with radiation that humans are killed if they go in there. And then he's told by the Mormon, Morgan Freeman character, if you want the truth, you know, here's your motorcycle, go to the radiation zone. Talk about the things you wouldn't expect. Now is where he's going through his dismantling. Now he's really got to have some faith. Because if he's going to ride that motorcycle right into the radiation zone, he's got to have some faith that whatever he's been told, whatever he believed, has not been true. Look at the Truman Show. How does Truman escape? He faces his fears and he goes for it. 
he goes on the water, the thing that he's most afraid of, he goes sailing over the water to find the exit from the Truman Show, to find the exit that he intuitively knows has to be there. And that's following your guidance, you're following your heart. You really have to follow your intuition to go for truth. You can't be following wives' tales and, and all these things of the world, philosophies, different theologies. Where did the world come from? Well, God was bored and so, you know, he decided to create time and space. Baloney! That's baloney. That has, that's not the truth. God wasn't bored. Why would divine love get bored? That's ridiculous. Talk about an anthropomorphic story of how time and space came about, you know. Oh, he wanted companionship. He was lonely. Get out of here. God was lonely? What do you think? Divine love was lonely? Oh, I'm so boring and lonely. I better create time and space. Oh, men and women. There we go. I've got some companionship now. God knows not form. The world, it tells us in the Course in Miracles in the workbook, the world was made as an attack upon God, a place where God could enter not. Now we're talking oblivion. Now we can start to connect the dots where the oblivion is. And it ain't in heaven. It's not in nirvana. That's not oblivion. No, that ego tells us nirvana is oblivion, but actually it's trying to protect itself because it needs the mind to believe in it. Because if the mind doesn't believe in the ego, poof, poof. No more ego. It's, you, you made the ego by believing in it and you can dispel it by withdrawing your belief from it. So that's what we're doing with these movies. We're practicing withdrawing our belief from the ego. We want to be able to laugh at the, at the idea of the ego, not to take it so seriously. Because when we believe in it, then the consequences that we perceive through the five senses seem to be pretty drastic. Even now, what seems to be going on on planet Earth, that should be a wake-up call, that should be drastic enough for you to say, okay, <laughs> I'm willing to look at what I believe, okay. You've got me. I'm, I'm an attentive audience now, Jesus. You know, I need you to help me go through a dismantling process and give up this time-space belief. So let's follow our hero here and see what he does. He's on his motorcycle with his girl now, with Julia. So uh, that's good. He's, <laughs> he's got his dream girl on his white motorcycle and he's ready to ride off into that radiation zone and let's see what happens. Because he's, that's like that fireman on the first, uh, the first movie we watched, Frequency. You gotta have that kind of gusto to go there to transcend illusions. It's not a half-hearted thing. You can't, well, I hope, maybe, maybe I'll, I'll do this self-realization thing. It's like, maybe, <laughs> it's like, you know, Jesus is saying, I need more than a maybe. <laughs> He's like saying, can I get an amen <laughs> here to this atonement? You know, that's, that's what Jesus is saying. Can I get an amen? So let's, let's follow our hero, Tom Cruise here. There we go. I see the hands go up. Very good. <laughs> We've got a, a chorus of amen. <laughs> Beautiful. All right, here we go. Go, Tom, go.
Okay. You studied the Course for all these years. You say, I still can't tell the difference between special relationship and holy relationship. Well, these scenes are giving you the biggest clue. Because there is a memory of union. There is a memory of happiness. That's what marriage is. Marriage is union. There is a, a memory where you are together with all your brothers and your sisters in mind. And it's a happy memory. It's a, it's a memory without judgment. It's just love because it's just the forgiven world. It's the happy dream. It's, the, it's a world without judgment. It's just the same world with no judgment. It's just you see it completely different. And you see the gentleness, the smiling faces, the ring. You see, he asked her and she said yes. It was just like Jesus says when God created Christ, Christ said yes. It wasn't like a passive creation. It was an active yes to in creation. And that's the memory of, of light that's, that's behind the, the veil of this world. But you don't Go back to the light till you go through the happy dream. You don't go back to the light till you go through the forgiven world. And so here, in this movie, he's been having all these scenes of him and her, and she, he, he's like saying two, three times, who are you? Almost insistently, who are you? And then the last thing that he expected to hear, I'm your wife which is the symbol of, of the holy relationship, of the union. And you could just see the smiles on their faces, how relaxed they were, how much light there was and joy. That's the symbol in the mind of, of how happy it is when you forgive the world. It's the, the most glorious experience you could ever have is just to forgive. That's all Jesus was teaching was forgive. Judge not is the meaning of forgiveness. So here it is now in this movie, he's, he's, he's finally reached that point where she remembered and then he remembered. And he was able to fill in the words, you know, because he, he remembers the memory. Now it's turning into a shared memory. I've said it a thousand times, only forgiveness can be shared. You can't share a bank account, you can't share a house, you can't share a body, you can't share anything of time and space ultimately because there's only mind, but you can share a purpose and that's what the forgiven world is, it's a shared purpose. And here they are, you know, on top of the Empire State Building looking and remembering, remembering that that memory. It's just, a, it's just a different use of memory. He's finally allowed himself to remember what was wiped. That's what got wiped <laughs> through the tet, through all this idea of a war, through all this idea of, of struggle and survival. Of course that's all the ego. The ego is the memory wipe. The ego is wiping away the joy, the love, the happiness and throwing Nothing but substitutes, nothing but maya, nothing but tricks, schemes, all that just to, to swipe 
over, you know, to, to cover the truth. That's the memory wipe. So now that he is just getting filled in and his memory, his happy memory is coming back, you will see that that will now direct his actions. You know, Vikra's waiting, she's sending them the old drone to bring him back to that uh, little high-tech pad that they've got with a swimming pool and everything like this. But he, what, he has a new purpose now. He is remembering. He's gone already where, where he wasn't supposed to go. But he went anyway. And he's been told if he goes to the, to the radiation areas, he's been told by the Morgan Freeman character, that's where you'll find the truth. So this is where you, have, this is where you separate the wheat from the chaff, as it says in the Bible. Once you see this as your calling, this is your purpose, you're not going to dilly-dally. You're not going to dabble. Oh, I dabble in A Course in Miracles. Dabble? You will learn this course entirely or not at all. Dabble, you know, there is no partial truth. Dabble, you know, you, you, you have to go for it. You, you have to go for it. I mean, that, of course, I reached that point in my life where I was like, all right, if that's what it's got to be, let's put the pedal to the metal. Let's take that baby and shift the gear all the way. Let's go for this. You can't be a dabbler. This is not the time for hesitation. What did Confucius say? He who hesitates is lost. So even Confucius is not rec recommending that you go half-hearted with this. So now we get to really see what Tom is made of here. Is he going to to join in holy relationship and go, go into that radiation zone that he's never supposed to go into? And, and see what's there, because he's been pointed, Morgan Freeman pointed him and said, go there, that's where you go for the truth. This is where I love these movies, because this is the journey for all of us. He's just, he's just taking the same journey that we're all taking, and, and we are taking it with him. So he's, he's part of us getting fired up for salvation, fired up for atonement fired up for enlightenment. Like the old stories, you know, they used to tell uh, the uh, devotees, you know, how much do you want enlightenment? And the one time they said the, the master plunged the devotee under the water until the devotee could hardly breathe. And then when the devotee came up, <sighs> took a huge gasp of air. And the master says, when you want enlightenment as much as you just wanted air, <laughs> then you'll know who you are. Then you really start to get the meaning of, of, it requires determination, it requires persistence. Above all else, I am to determined to see. You know, Jesus says in the workbook of the Course, to say the words, I want the peace of God, is nothing. But to mean, I want the peace of God, is everything. Some of you are aware of that part in the text. I love that part of the text where Jesus says, the peace of God is my one goal, the aim of all my living here, the end I seek, my purpose and my function and my life 
while I abide where I am not at home. Those are strong words from Jesus. And he's just like saying, embrace these words. This, this is a wake-up call. We're only in week number two here. We've got to get fired up here for this. Where we're going, we need to be fired up to, to go where we're going. Because we're not going to get there half-heartedly. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll wake up while I'm sleeping at night. No, that's not it. You know, you have, to, you have to be determined. That's why he's given you a function as a miracle worker, to work miracles, you know, to free the mind. So let's see what Tom does now. This is a great journey. She was a wonderful person. Jack, we want to bring you in. I've been authorized to tell you we're going to assign you a new mission. You and the survivor. Okay, let's stop it here. You, listen, these are the best scenes. You can't bargain with the ego. The ego tries to offer now bargains that will let you live and the survivor live and we want to bring you in. You know, it's now you have a new mission. We better give up all the missions <laughs> of time and space and go for the holy instant because there's not, the ego will use that mission thing even as you start to get to the holy instant. You haven't finished your mission. You've got more to do. You're, you know, you're not, you have a mission, mission, mission. Listen, it's the holy instant and the ego wants you dead. Dead. That, that's right. It will use its schemes, its games to say, oh, you, can, you need to do this, we need to do that. It tries to talk nice now, in the, still in the southern Texas accent, still trying to woo him to come to the Tet. And, and we want to bring you in, and all this and this. And what he's just discovered, you know, is he went back to try to talk to, what was her name, Vikra? Vika. He wants to go back and talk to Vika. And it's like, listen, father will be turned against son for my namesake. Mother will be turned against daughter for my namesake. Don't go for any of the false time-space associations thinking you've got to bring people with you. It's the mind. It's the mind that has to give up this, this linear construct. You can't decide, pick and choose like the ego and select who do you want to save, who do you want to take with you. It's like you, the whole point is to go for the awakening and then just let the witnesses, let your mighty companions show up. I just think, wasn't there a video that just got released about spiritual community and let the mighty companions show up? It's not, there's no kind of external dependencies or you need this one, you need that one, and you, you have to wear white robes and sandals and sit in this posture and blur. You know, there's not all this other kind of stuff with it. It's just reflections of your, of your own gentleness, of your own peace, of your own harmony. That's what the world turns into. Those are the kind of witnesses you draw when you quit judging the world. You, you draw very wonderful witnesses that are like heralds of eternity. They're part of the happy dream that comes to you. But here, you know, Jack goes back and he still has a little bit of a past 
association there where he's saying, we have to leave, we have to go. And she, she doesn't want to go. And, and he says, we have to remember. I don't want to remember. Remember she already told him that she wants to forget. She wants to forget. When the mind wants to sleep and forget, it's wanting to not remember God. It's not wanting to not remember the light. So these purposes, never the twain shall meet. You have to really go in your mind deeply towards this purpose, but you, you can't feel like you have to take some aspects of time and space with you. Like you're going to be the savior, the personal savior, and you're going to save certain ones and let other ones go. No, it's like we have to let the images go, is what, what we're being asked to do. Let go of your belief in the images, because that's, Jesus says that at one point in the text, pretty late in the text, he says, the dreams that you think you like can hold you back as much as those in which the fear is present. The dreams you think you like can hold you back as much as those in which the fear is present, is apparent. So, so it's not like you just have to eliminate the negative judgments from your life. You have to realize that the positive judgments and the negative judgments are part of an ego preference system. It's like a preference package of course, positive, negative, positive, negative. That's why it seems so difficult to wake up from time and space is because of the positive. If there was no positive, you would drop this world like a hot potato. You would, if the world was only guilt, you would drop the world so fast. If the girl, world was only fear and shame and pain, you would drop it, drop it, drop it. But the ego is clever, sneaky, sneaky, sneaky. It invents so-called good illusions to offset the bad illusions, hoping that you'll fall for that trick and you'll go for the good maya, which, which that doesn't mean anything. Maya is illusion. There can't be good illusions and bad illusions because illusions mean not real. That's like saying good not real and bad not real. Jesus is like, come on, it can't be that the unreal has aspects that are positive and aspects that are negative. So, you know, there's that song that they, famous song that they sing, X, you've got to accentuate the positive, eliminate the negative. And then the whole thing is, don't mess around with Mr. In-Between. Now listen, you have to go for the miracle because there is no way you can tell the difference in this in this distorted perception between the positive and the negative. How you feel is a good barometer. You know, Jesus says that's the one right use of judgment. How do you feel? But that doesn't point out some images as being better than others. He doesn't say there's a hierarchy of illusions and you've got good images and bad images. He's saying, come with me in the miracle and let's transcend duality entirely with the unification of your mind through forgiveness. It's that simple, that's what the teaching is. So let's just see how it plays out now. His, his uh, pseudo-wife has now been destroyed by the drones and now Sally is trying to convince him that he's supposed to come to the Tet and 
uh, bring his uh, substitute or whatever she's calling him, uh, what do they call Survivor? Survivor, bring the survivor along. Sneaky ploy. Oh boy, come back to the tet and bring your survivor. You know, he should just say, that's my wife Sally and we're married in Christ and you know, we got to see what he's going to do because his actions, he still has to find out what's, what is it? What is the truth that the uh, radiation zone is going to show him? He still has a part in his, in this to, where he has to go discover. Okay, here we go. We're ready to go quantum now. We're ready for some quantum. You hear me talk about simultaneous time. People talk about parallel lives, parallel dimensions. This, just think quantum when you see this next scene. Just remember, this is what you've been praying for and this is what you've been asking for is you've been praying for quantum to start to see that everything is simultaneous and we only ever meet ourselves. We only ever meet ourselves. We never meet anybody else. Okay. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Beautiful symbolism there at the end. The Tet, which was like our artificial intelligence that was uh, basically just um, kind of a parasite trying to live off of whatever it could. And then um, I talk a lot about dissociation. Dissociation is the way Jesus defines it in the Course. He says, dissociation is like this technique whereby you try to maintain two irreconcilable thought systems which is really a definition of a split mind. And what's the solution to this? Well, the solution to dissociation is you, you bring them together. You bring these two irreconcilable thought systems together. How do you do that? By bringing the illusions to the truth. By bringing every thought that you have in your mind to the light of truth. By humbly going straight back into your mind, the thing that you swore never to go back to with the ego, and, and bringing an end to the dissociation. So to me, it was, it was obvious when he was sure he, he had to go back, and he wasn't going back to just say yes and serve the Tet. He was going back to say, no, that's the power of goodbye or the, the power of the no. When he gets back, literally to the Tet, it's the scene where, the, where it speaks in Sally's voice and says, you know, I, I created you, I made you, and I am your God in the southern twang. <laughs> and, and basically it's like, no, that's, he's not going to go for that. And that's basically how we pull the plug on the ego. You basically expose it for what it is. You start to expose all of its thoughts 
which are all about multiplicity and attack and defense and uh, duality and all these, any thought that is dualistic, multiplistic or whatever, you start to realize that, that has nothing to do with God and that you won't be following the dictates of that puff of nothingness anymore. So it's like the symbol of the, the Tom Cruise character going back to the Tet is basically going back to the mind and not giving any allegiance to this puff of nothingness that says, I made you, I am your God. Oh, that, that puff, that Tet made a lot of clones. There was a lot of astronauts, a lot of Harpers sent down to do its work. But basically it was tucked away up there just like any parasite, just <laughs> letting the, the sentinels, the Tom Harpers, was it Tom Harper? Or Jack yeah. Harper, Jack Harper. Jack, that's, that's what uh, Leonardo's name is in uh, and Titanic too. Jack! I kept hearing it. Jack, Jack, Jack. But Jack Harper was, was, the, was the clone, but in the end, you know, they said this, Morgan Freeman's character was saying, yeah, I knew it was, there's something inside you. That was the spirit that was inside that was not going to just go along with this lie. That would, in the end, it, it literally wanted to help save save the woman, and that's what he recognized. There was this something inside that, that was capable of, of um, turning away from the ego and turning back to the light. So that's a beautiful uh, reminder. And then of course the very final scene there, you know, it's, it goes beyond the idea that uh, the Jack perished, that there was uh, that was our happy dream scene at the end in nature, <laughs> in a desolate world. The, that was like the oasis, where there was all this happiness and green and water and, yeah, rock and roll. <laughs> he liked his rock and roll, but he had his rock and roll album, so. So beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. So uh, maybe we'll just open it up. If anybody had uh, some emotions or reactions or had any ideas you want to share about this with all the symbolism that it had for us. Hey David, can you hear me? Yes. Oh, yeah, I know you can't see me. I don't know what's going on with my camera, but it was uh, a, a good teaching lesson for me because it took me about 15 minutes into the opening of the movie and your, your intro of perseverating about not being able to be seen. And I thought, this, this is actually kind of humorous. And so once I was able to let that go, and then I just climbed into the movie and I thought, well, okay, who, who, who cares? <laughs> you know, you just, are you number 75 or 52 or grown number 53? It doesn't, doesn't matter. <laughs> so anyway, I, I just, uh, boy, what another uh, winner. And, and you were talking about time. At the beginning, you opened it up talking about how much time does the body take and demand and all of this effort and um, uh, attention going into this drone called me. And, and listen to this. I was just reading this yesterday, and it's from chapter 17. 
And it says every special relationship you have made has as its fundamental purpose the aim of occupying your mind so completely that you will not hear the call of truth. And then you flip the page and then it says the special relationship has the most imposing and deceptive frame of all the defenses the ego uses. And I thought, boy, that, that just was relating to everything in this movie of that whole special relationship. So much stuff popped out for me, but what resonated for me emotionally was when he told her, when he said, I know I'm not him. In other words, I'm not the particular drone. I know I'm not him, and for me that meant in form. But I've loved you for as long as I can remember. So he was connecting with, I know I'm, I'm not, there's so many mirrors of these forms, but I've loved you, content, holiness, truth, as long as I can remember. And I just love that, and it reminded me of the Holy Spirit's use of memory versus the ego's use of memory and how everything that has ever been beautiful, true, or good is all brought right here, right now. And boom, that was just rolling through for me. I love the scene where he said, welcome, Commander, welcome back. And again, that was, it. That, was that same theme in Frequency, where it was, you know, we need the guide. We need, we need to be shown where it is, but we, we, we have to be the commander. It's, our, it's the will. We have to align that will. And I loved how he was telling he was saying, buck up, Bob. Don't go all shaky on me. <laughs> I thought, yeah, don't, don't start getting weak need now because you're getting into the good stuff just because you're approaching the veil. And I thought, holy cow, isn't that true? We, we start to approach, I, you know, I start to approach the truth. And, oh, my gosh, it's like uh, it, it gets kind of shaky. Um, and then, of course, that voice says, I detect a pattern of insubordination in your behavior lately. Well, of course. You think about that word insubordination. You, yeah, we've got to be insubordinate to the ego. Become the commander. Quit listening to the wrong thought system and just flip that puppy over. And, yes, you do <laughs> want to be insubordinate to the ego. Absolutely. That's, you have to be. And Anyway, just there's so much good stuff. Oh, and one, one quick point, and I'll shut up, is that um, Horatio, that whole story about Rome, and that there's even the song, um, A Wider Shade of Pale, and the discussion of Vestal Virgins. Well, that made me think about in um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and the Vestal Virgin, how happy the blameless lot, the Vestal Virgins. And that whole story of what the Vestal Virgins really were about, they were the keepers of the fire. You had to be a virgin to be able to keep the fire. In other words, your, your attention could not be preoccupied or filled with time and domestic chores and families and the world. And the only way to keep the fire burning was if your full attention was on that fire, hence the virgin, hence the burning light of Rome. But Horatio means um, single-eyed. That's what Horatio, the name means, is single-eyed. And I just thought, wow, what a, what a great name for, a, for the hero, for all of us trying to wake up is to become... Uh, single-eyed and how do you how do you how can a man die better than to face the odds in other words go right into it just go right into it and take a look so thank you for it man it was so uh so fulfilling um very good stuff just thank you again boy this is just all piling up in so many different directions to go with all different metaphors and uh in a, in a playful kind of a spirited way i thought 
and yeah, very quantum there at the end of, Hey, it's, it's, it's all you. And when they were singing that verse from the pro harem song, um, wider shade of Pell, I know the line is something about the Miller Miller's told his tale, but I heard that in my mind as, as the mirrors, as the mirror told its tale. And I thought, Ooh, I like that interpretation better as the mirror told its tale. I thought, isn't that how it is? It's everything's a mirror. And who, who are you doing it with? Who are you doing it with? What's the purpose? And thank you so much for doing this. It's just, and especially what a good time in the middle of the week to kind of pull my mind out of the world and try to sit down and then worry about whether I'm seen or not on, on a camera and then to pull my mind and say, no, it's not about any of that. It's just get, get, come in here, come in here with you all. So thank you. Beautiful, beautiful. There it is. We all heard it from that black box up there. <laughs> the wisdom of the black box has spoken. If you remember two things from what the black box just told you, remember these two things. You have to be insubordinate to the ego. And when you think about that mind, just think, I've got to flip that puppy. Just flip that puppy. From upside down to right side up. From false causation of thinking the world's real. Flip that puppy around to be the commander. <laughs> I am not at the mercy of the world of form. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you, Black Box. It's, been, it's beautiful to have such wisdom come from a formless box. <laughs> okay, anybody else have anything? Esther, I saw you waving your hand there. So, talking about fire, um, I've been doing a candle meditation um, that I learned from the Ramtha School, and I've been seeing how my thoughts, the, the meaningless thoughts, uh, not to hear them is or, or engage them is very difficult. I'm seeing that, and um, but it's allowing me to have a better relationship with my mom. Like, um, I had to take her to the doctor. And she's telling the doctor her normal stories. And one of the stories was about how she had um, successfully uh, won a case against another doctor. And I was thinking, what is this? What is this for? You know? And then she told me, and I used to judge her a lot um, about these, these types of, this type of behavior where she would tell somebody something that would, that she did something to make her life better. Do you know what I mean? Like when you, when you fight against somebody or you, you try to get your way by telling them something that will scare them into doing the right thing. So she, she was doing this and I didn't, I was wondering what's going on. And, and I was not interrupting her. I was just sitting there and listening. Like I was just loving her, just loving her. And, um, and this was like a, a new timeline for me. Because the old me would have been all this judgmental thoughts going, and all it was was there was was um, what's going on and um, and what's it for? <laughs> and then, but then he called us right away after she got the X-rays, and I didn't expect that at all. And I'm thinking later, talking to my friend, was he doing that because of what she said? The, story that she told about this case that she won against uh, as a personal injury lawyer and I'm seeing from this um, movie actually that 
the way I would wake up from the ego's um, thought system, it doesn't matter what happens in former behavior. It just matters that I'm waking up and allowing that to occur. That it, it, the question, why is she doing that? And the question I'm asking myself, was it because of her doing that, that she, she called like right away like that or anything like that? Those are all distractions to me waking up from the whole thing that, that comes about altogether, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think it's, it's, you're on to that step where you're just watching your thoughts because, you know, it's, we talk about the world being a mirror and that's, that is helpful just in terms of getting aware of what your thoughts are. That's all it has. In fact, he tells us perception is a mirror, not a fact. And he says your brother is the mirror in which you see the, the perception of yourself as long as the perception lasts. Ooh, as long, he's qualifying that. He's talking about mirroring, like with your mother, as long as the perception lasts. Wow, what could be beyond as long as the perception lasts? In other words, what happens, what happens when there's no more need for perception? So, you know, that's the direction we're going into singularity. It's just seeing the mind as one. Because in Lesson 132, Jesus, first he kind of eases us into the waiting pool. And he says, there is no world apart from what you think. And that's taking your feet and saying, okay, splash your toes in there a little bit. Enjoy it. There's no world apart from what you think. And then you read a little further and he drops the atomic bomb. Just after you got your toes wet. You know, you think you're splashing around a little bit there. Oh, there's no world apart from what I think. And then he says, there is no world, exclamation point. Then that was his... Thing. He's saying this is the, the central teaching this Course aims to teach. Oh, now it gets fun, because that really is fun. Because anytime you seem to get upset, it's, it's not because of anything going on in the world, because he's, he's laid it right out there. He says there is no world. So now that you've got, you can't even talk about projection. Well, you know, I'll just reel that projection back off my mom and da 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 da. You know, that's where the mirroring goes on. But then he's like, oh no, that's not the grand surprise. That's not, mirroring isn't even the lesson. You know, that's just another, he's throwing us another little fun little thing to play with for a little while. But, but that's not the lesson. There is no world. So practically speaking, you know, I remember when my friend Resta first was listening to to my talks on her head, headphones, her, uh, her headphones, and she's walking through the cemetery and she comes in to have a cup of tea with me. And I remember sitting down and I said, what do you want, what kind of tea do you want? I served her a cup of tea there in the Peace House. And then I said, how's it going? And she had a, a, a bothered look on her face. I said, what's wrong? And she said, well, I was just listening to one less, lesson 132. I said, oh yeah, that's a great lesson. She said, no, it's not great. Now he's done it. I said, who? He, she said, now Jesus has done it. I said, what did Jesus do? She said, he's gone too far. He's gone absolutely too far. 
I said, how did Jesus go too far? And she said, do you know what he said? Do you know what he said? I said, tell me, what did he say? He said, there is no world. She said, now that's crossing the line. That's just absolutely too far. That's crazy, 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 crazy. And so we sat there and we drank the cup of tea. And she finally looked at me and she said, okay, what do you have to say to that? And I said, well, you have to, you have to live as if there is no world. And then she received that song from the angels right after that. She went to the restroom and the angels downloaded a whole song. I don't know how many verses are part of it, but it's a long song. And, and that's what the angels gave her. As if there is no world, as if there is no world. A cosmic dream, a made-up scheme where figures dance and swirl and nothing means a thing except the truth within that I am mind by God designed. He's calling me to live as if there is no world. And it goes on and on and on. The angels really, <laughs> that was like a practical answer, like, you know, that's it, he's gone too far now. The angels laugh and laugh and laugh, and then they just give like this five-verse song, um, which basically, imagine how happy life is if you just, if you just give yourself over to that one idea, that there is no world. Because then you don't have to figure out the projections, you don't have to play the he said, she said game, you don't have to, you can't analyze motives. What motives? Whose motives? You know, you're freed up of comparison, you're freed up of judgment, you're freed up of striving, you're freed up of achieving. <laughs> You're freed up of trying to accomplish something, anything, in what? In what? The, you know, so, so you really start to, to see what a blessing that is, that that is the central lesson that this Course aims to teach, that there is no world. And, you know, there, you don't have to, to look to the systems of the world, you don't have to go to a psychiatrist and say, well, I was just pondering this idea this morning. What? What's the idea? That there is no world. Are you on your meds? Did you stop taking your meds? You know, you, you don't have to, it also takes you out of this idea of looking for confirmation, you know, which the ego made up a shaky self that's always looking for confirmation. What do you think? What do you think? He said, there's no world. What do you think? Do you believe him? You know, that's the key. Yeah. Go ahead. That's exactly what's been going on, actually, is that kind of communicating with the take me home uh, messenger thing and stuff like that and talking about certainty, um, the experience of certainty and your trust uh, thing with the Spanish speaking and also the... Um, on Facebook, I realized that that trust, that certainty is there, and I'm starting to experience it. And there's, there's, there's only peace there, and there's nothing else. There's, there's no duality there at all, and I really appreciate all your teachings. Oh, thank you, Esther. Thank you, that's beautiful. <laughs> oh, adorable. That's adorable. <laughs> thank you. 
<laughs> Sweet. Okay, I think I'll go to Christina next. Go ahead, Christina. Dislike drones. I do not like them at all. So it was perfect. <laughs> I had to. Yeah, I do you well. They drive me crazy and we had them go over our property and I'd be like, you know, I'm, I'm a peaceful person normally, but then I like want to wield a weapon. And so I was really um, appreciating that about the movie. And then I didn't really have a reaction, which was like very surprising to me. Um, and I thought too about the Tet, the Tet in French means head. That was interesting mm. to me as mm. well, you know you know, going into your, your, yeah, that labyrinth in your mind and noticing that you're not even in that, you know, that's kind of what was happening. And, you know, when I'm experiencing, I see that, that whole labyrinth of thoughts about what happened before and what's happening in the world. And I can't even find myself in that. And it's just so liberating to know I don't even exist in that at all. Like I, I'm existing in a place that doesn't have anything to do with that. And that's so wonderful. It's so wonderful. So thank you so much. I got over my apocalyptic movie theaters and drones <laughs> and all this other business. So <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> uh, that's, that's, that's great. It starts off with the drones and then we have the drones and the Tet. And then we don't discover till the very end that it's drones, clones, and the Tet. So the head has all these clones, these Tom Cruise clones, <laughs> and then it has all these drones, and it's, they're all just doing its business. And, you know, when you look at Earth, and you look at these uh, human beings, it seems like from a linear perspective that they, all the human beings have mothers and fathers, and histories and cultures and everything. But uh, like Stephen, our black box was talking to us there without a, without a face or a body. Uh, the voice of Stephen was saying, no, they're all, just all clones. This thing that I call the me is a clone. It's kind of interesting how it just starts to just hit you and start to flood in. Like I was doing that, Esther talked about that uh, trust talk I did uh, with uh, South America, with Colombia. And the one woman was asking me a bit about um, how she can blank out and everything. And I started talking about dissociation. And then I started talking about multiple personality disorder, which is, is called DID, Dissociative Identity Disorder, which is kind of a fascinating little topic. I always liked that trilogy of uh, films. What was it called? It was Glass and, and Unbreakable. Unbreakable and Split. There was like a trilogy all on DID, on split personality, which I thought were fascinating mind-watching movies. But then when you start to look at the whole human race as a DID condition, then it starts to get funnier and funnier. Like, because you see with these DID cases, they, like Sybil, they have these different multiple personalities, and they're called alters, and they, they're all part of one mind, but they shift in and out depending on who, as if they're separate entities, like it's just seemingly one person with a group of entities all, all coming and all generated from the same mind. Very similar to nighttime dreams, when you go to sleep at night 
And then you have an entire world uh, that's peopled with, uh, by the mind, it's totally dissociating its Christ identity and projecting out all these characters in the nighttime dream, and then, then the character's eyes open up and it gets out of bed, and then it's, it's watching now the daytime dissociation, uh, dissociative identity disorder. And also, like, tet means, means head in French, and if you just look at the word D-I-D in English, that's did. That's the past. That did is, did is basically done. Uh, it's gone. It's past tense. It's over. And you know, that's why I love any kind of movie where we can start loosening from this time idea. Because, you know, in terms of human perspective, nobody really meets anybody. They're only meeting a past association in their mind with every single encounter. That's why I love that movie Solaris. I used to say for years, if, you, if, you're, if you're on a desert island and you're dying and you get a last request of one movie, watch Solaris. Because Solaris is all about the power of the mind to generate these characters that are not whole. All they are are past representations there, it's like Jesus says in the Course, it's what you give to the characters, but, but you don't see them holistic. You never see them as wholes, it's just what you gave them. They're just acting out the ego thoughts and beliefs in your mind. So you're never having a true holistic meeting with any person, even with soulmates, you know, there's always that, you believe what? <laughs> after, after so much time, because it's still a, a representation of the past. And in the end, it's like we have to really have a, a firm conviction like, I'm going to live spontaneously. I'm going to live this moment as if I've never lived a moment before. I'm going to, to not fall into this mesmerism of, time, of linear time where I think I know who people are, I think I know their story, I think I could understand them or, underst or analyze their motives. You know, it's so funny anymore when somebody starts to say, well, I know who this person is, or I know what they were thinking, or, oh, I've seen them before. I know, you know, it's like I just laugh and laugh and laugh because it's just all the past and there's no validity to it whatsoever. We really are born again this moment. It's a clean, clear, crisp, fresh moment, and we are bursting in freedom in this very moment. And we don't have to play a role, we don't have to, to buy into anything in the world, that anything that is said or done or whatever, because it's it's a past script. We don't, it's not even really a script, it's just, it's just the past. So thank you for sharing what you did, because that's, that's another insight. I've, I've seen that movie before, but I didn't know Tet meant head in, in French. <laughs> I learned something, learned something new every time. Thank you, and we love your smile. You're just beaming and glowing though. You look like, uh, Mary Magdala or something with your, 
you know, and we're, we're just getting our Mary Magdala hit tonight. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, next we have Anna over in the co-living community in Mexico. Go ahead, Anna. Hi. Hi, David. Hi, Anna. <laughs> Charlie. Carlos. <laughs> Photo bombing. <laughs> yeah, I just I just really felt to share because I feel like Last night I was watching this movie about this nun and, you know, how she, you know, just left everything behind and she just went for God, like, so completely. And, like, I don't know, but these movies, like, they are, like, rigged up to that wake-up call inside that feels so strong. And I was just, you know, after the movie ends, I'm just, like, like, so touched, like, so touched. I was, like... I couldn't sleep. I was wide awake. It was one o'clock in the morning and I was just like, you know, just with this deep prayer, like, yes, you know, yes, yes. Just use me completely. Just take me, you know, just, just take me completely. Like, you know, it just grows really, really strong. And you know, it's like, I could just see like, I want nothing else, you know? And it's like this fire just... Just rose really strong and, you know, we see a movie tonight and... It's like, I just wanna, you know, like, if I could, I could just take a rocket. Like, this is going too slow, Jesus. Like, hurry up, you know, like, we need to go faster here. And so, yeah, that just, you know, like, just seeing this movie and that's not movie just, just touches something really deep. And, you know, even today, like, last night I had that big prayer and I was just saying, you know, yes, just yes, yes, you know, and... I was writing and my prayer and and then like it was interesting how today like I could just see like all the places where my mind is saying no you know like everything just like oh my god like you know addiction to sleep addiction to this addiction to and like no here no here no here and then it's like god like I really need help you know like there's so much pride, arrogance, and all this stuff that wants to keep holding on instead of just really going for it, you know? So, mm. yeah, it really touched me. And even the song at the end, uh, I don't know if you heard the lyrics, but it was really beautiful. It says, in the night, and let me just put it up here. Since I was young, I knew I'd find you, but our love was a song. And in the night, you hear me calling, you hear me calling, and in your dreams, you see me falling, falling. But yeah, it's like, it just felt like a beautiful symbol. And even that for like a couple of weeks ago, I was like awake every single night, you know? <laughs> And I was like, why are you keeping me awake? Just tell me why, you know? And 
just you know looking at the lyrics of the song today it was like you know like the call is always there you know wanting me okay come back come back come back and yeah so thank you yeah beautiful that's like the that's two great movies we and then that one you just watched but last week with frequency the song with garth brooks at the end you know till we reach the circle's end and you come back to me again you know it just was that song just touched so many people kind of just set people off in a kind of a state of mind at the end of that movie because you go through the whole experience and then you're cracked wide open then boom that song just pours in through your heart just this like with so much love and so much light so that's the way it goes though you you get so inspired just by watching the movie through a song or something you get activated you get lit up that's really the prayer of your heart you know that's how we get out of the mesmerism that's how we get out of this crazy thickness of like a fog like we're just walking around in a fog and then we it's frustrating to start to see it as a fog because before we thought it was life but now, then we start to say this isn't life at all but then to allow that activation like you feel i think for me too it's it's letting go of the idea of control because when i got activated and i would be up sometimes up at 1 2 3 in the morning initially i ask why are you keeping me up at three o'clock in the morning uh, I need to sleep and there it was you know I need to sleep really is I want to sleep I want to control when I sleep even when I'm awake but there came a point where you just kind of go through that surrender which is like instead of asking why do you have me up at three it's more the question flips to what would you have me do it's like suddenly you know it's like it's a given well I am up at three in the morning so what would you have me do and as soon as I flip the question instead of why are you doing this to me to what would you have me do like a service thing then the answers would come right to so-and-so do the you know <laughs> again uh, that that beautiful teaching from the Bible where Jesus said for those whom much is given much will be required or much will be asked I remember reading that in the Bible and I thought what does that even mean and then when you go on this journey it's like when your heart gets activated when the prayer of your heart gets activated then that's when you, you really get into this devotional okay use me use me and and it's so beautiful because you that's just I can tell that's the joy of your heart even when you were before you went back to La Casa you said oh those are my fondest memories you said when we talked on messenger from Guatemala you said oh I just think of those retreats and getting the place ready and just being there with the, the grounds and Benito and Zion and and just you couldn't wait to dive back into that now also it will flush up any little aspect of where you have any control of course that's what it's meant to do that's, that's that it's working when you feel that devotion and all of a sudden 
you notice a little urge to control here or control there, a little pocket of pride. It's almost like that's the fire hose of love that you have inside of you and you get the fire hose turned on and oh well, those little pockets are going to, are not going to stay clinging, clinging in the dark anymore. It's just like, you know, get that fire hose out and, and let it like rinse you from the inside. But don't, don't give in to any kind of thoughts of trying to identify with those little barnacles. <laughs> you know, let that fire hose really blast them strong and, and don't identify with the barnacles. You know, those little things are just little clingy things trying to hold on, cling on for dear life, uh, for death really, but, but you're just going to hose them down. So it's beautiful. It's great. I love that you can just share your love and your devotion because I feel it and, and I know that that's just what you, you wanted deep in your heart. It's just want to have a devotional life. It's the ego that comes in that just says it's not going fast enough because it's, it's putting the whole thing on the timeline and then it, it will even judge that. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's say it's too slow or it's too, you know, ego's always got some kind of commentary to, to run on the whole thing. But the fire hose is out, so it's going gonna, it's gonna to do its work. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Love you so much. Oh, Thank love you, you too. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. Do you want to take more questions, David? Sure. Okay. Someone in the Camus Co-Living community raised their hand. Go ahead. Uh, hi, David. Um, hi, Robert. <laughs> these movies are just incredible. I mean, I saw this movie, you know, kind of when it came out, and I thought it was just mediocre. You know, I saw it again tonight, and I'm like, whoa, your commentary just, you know, it's like a completely different experience. I mean, it's almost like, you know, the happy dream almost watching these movies. <laughs> but um, uh, you, you, you said something, I mean, there's a lot of stuff, of course, but you said something that just uh, I was curious about. You said that the ego doesn't want to make things all bad because then we'll just turn, you will choose against it very quickly. And I was wondering, on the flip side of that, why doesn't the ego just make everything all good so that we just choose it forever? Well, it, it, first of all, it doesn't know what good is. <laughs> you know, we, sometimes we say only, like Jesus would say 2,000 years ago, only God is good. In fact, when people would come up and even tell Jesus that he was good, Jesus would say, why do you call me good? God is good. So he was always pointing to the Creator with everything because, because that which is good has to be eternally good or constantly good. And so what we would say as partially good is, is not good at all. But the ego, so in one sense the ego has tried to invent, that's what it's, it, it, just as an inventor, it's fictitious, it's, but it does invent. So it's, it's been able to, like, it can't, it can't replicate eternity because it doesn't know eternity. So it makes the special love relationship as, a, that's its version, it's almost like that's its, that's its attempt to make something so alluring, 
so much that you'll just go after and you'll think that you've found heaven on earth, that you can capture the special love relationship. But it's like a, it's like a, clump, a lump of coal, you know, it, no matter how it dresses that up. And it dresses it up in, you know, in muscles and bikinis and with eyeliner and it, it really works hard on that lump of coal. It does quite a job, uh, it's quite ima has good imagination, but it tries to, to make it good, but it can't, it can't make eternity. It can't replicate union, it can't replicate eternity. It's tried to replicate love. Uh, for example, even if we get said, God is like this pure energy of love, it invented electricity. And you see how convincing that, that could be? Oh, we, you know, we, we, humans call electricity energy, even though, you know, it's just an invention. There is no such thing as electricity, but, but it's an invention. So, if you look at, like even with freedom, you know, it, it made up the body, and then it, it pins all these definitions onto the body for like freedom of the body. Freedom of movement, um, if, you, if that body has money, then it could, could, at least it used to be able to travel before the pandemic. <laughs> it's having trouble with its freedom uh, definitions right now because they're getting hit pretty hard. But it comes up with all kinds of things that, that are supposed to have meaning. But the most important thing to see is it's the ego itself doesn't have meaning. So everything it invents and everything it makes up has no meaning whatsoever. In fact, I was uh, following along these lessons, you know, re recently it was 132, uh, I lose the world from all I thought it was. Lesson number 133 is spectacular because basically it says, now sometimes it's good to bring this, the student back to practical application instead of high and mighty theoretical ideas. So he's going to use lesson 133 in the workbook to be really practical. He's going to really get real practical. Don't you love it when Jesus is like, okay, I'm going to get real practical. I'm not going to talk about you are as God created you today. I'm going to be really practical today. Okay, good, good. I, I need that. What, what is it? He says, here's your lesson. I will not value what is valueless. Okay, that's a good lesson. I will not. Very good. And now I'm going to be practical. I'm going to tell you the criteria so you can tell the difference between the valuable and the valueless. Good, 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 good. I'll get the notepad out for that. You're going to give me the criteria. I'm going to be able to, by the end of this lesson, I'll be able to tell the difference between the valuable and the valueless. And that's important because then I won't be tricked by illusions anymore if I know what the difference, how to discern between the valuable and the valueless. It's very practical. Very, very practical. So then he starts right out with the first criteria of telling the difference between the valuable and the valueless. First criteria, if it, if it will not last forever, it has no value whatsoever. That's the first criteria. Isn't that lovely? Isn't that practical from the, 
from the way, the truth, and the life, he's helping us out. If it will not last forever, it has no value whatsoever. In other words, if it's not eternal, it has no value at all. Now, so that's the kind of wisdom that we need as we go through clearing our minds, because the ego is going to try to say that there's some valuable things in this world, and then there's some things that aren't valuable. And it's telling us that we can become educated and learned, and we can learn to judge the difference in this world between what's valuable and what's valueless. That's the point of education, is to, to tell, teach you what is valuable and what's valueless. But he's saying, no, no, it can't be found in this world. You know, it's like, that's why he says, resign now as your own teacher. <laughs> he comes, he says it in all kinds of different ways, but he's really telling us that we can't really tell the difference. So. When I said that the ego makes the positive to counteract the negative, because when the mind was created in pure love, it, it's going to be very suspect if everything is just fear. You know, it, will, it would turn to something other than the ego if there wasn't anything offered by the ego to placate the, the mind. And that's how the, the, why the ego invented opposites. Because opposites are more spicy. Uh, even, even spiritually speaking, you know, I, there's the yin and the yang. And then it's like, oh, hell. It, the ego's even spiritual. It even invents dualistic spirituality to, to keep the mind distracted into trying to strike a balance between the yin and the yang, or find the point of integration. Actually, the miracle is is the point of integration, but it does. It's not really between opposites. It just sees the false as false. It sees that there can't be opposites. So that's. I know. I was just asked. Marina was saying that they want me to go on with do another Spanish thing, and the first one I did was on trust, and then now the the second request is for non-duality, but practical non-duality, you know, not the kind of non-duality that it says, I'm not here and you're not here and we're not having this conversation, uh, that kind of really shuts off the, the friendly, that shuts off the words. Well, okay, then be that way. We're not yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. We're not having a movie gathering tonight and, you know, it's just, where it's just, denies, tries to deny everything, but I mean, actually following the flow of, of joy and inspiration where it just comes naturally. Like Anna was just on there talking where she just goes into this deep prayer and feels such a big yes and such a big devotion and then, and then all of a sudden the ego's like, yeah, not so fast. What about this and this and don't you want to control this and, you know, the, the, when you really give your heart over to this, then you can expect whatever's still down there in the unconscious mind, it's going to rear itself up. So it's, it's not like the ego really can do anything or has dynamics. Sometimes it's talked about that way, but, 
But there really aren't, there really is not anything such as ego dynamics because it's not real. How can something that's not real have dynamics? But we talk about it in those kind of terms just because it's, it can be a stepping stone or, or helpful. How's it been for you? If you, when you think about that idea of the positive and the negative, it, how does that feel? How does that feel for you? Well, let's just say I'm not a fan of duality anymore. Um, I, you know, I mean, I, I've gotten to the point where, you know, I, I kind of look at this world and, you know, I mean, it's like, even if I had the so-called enchanted life, you know, if I was like millionaire or billionaire and I could do whatever I want, it's like none of it would even matter. Because like what you were saying, none of it lasts forever. And, you know, everything goes to pot eventually. We all get sick and die, you know. And I mean, I, I hear you. I mean, I, I you know, I'm, I don't advocate for duality anymore. <laughs> you know, I... I just, I, I feel like I have to, um, you know, cultivate, I mean, you, you, there's no way to get around this. You, you just, you, you gotta cultivate this burning desire above all else. You, you, you really can't get around that. You know, I, I was listening to your, um, your uh, online retreat, uh, or the, the end of all problems where you get into, the first thing you have to do is admit that you have a perception problem. And then once you do, once you do that, you can just that that allows you to withhold judgment, and it just allows you to see uh, the world through loving eyes. Because you, you you can love the stuff that you don't judge, you know. And it's just it it really that 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 talk really clicked with me. I'm still trying to digest it, but you know, I'm just I mean, I'm I'm just at the point where I'm just trying to cultivate this burning desire, so that is truly all all that I want. Mm. Beautiful, Robert. I just had this image, like of the movie, you know, when when the Tom Cruise character is just ready to leave the Earth's atmosphere and go up to the Tet, and you know, he's got his little Bob character there and everything. But when you said, "I'm just not a fan of duality." It's like you're ready to go into the tet. You're ready to go face the maker. <laughs> you're you're loaded. You are locked and loaded there. Now you've got your little your little Bob doll, and you got plenty of fuel, and you know you've you're in your spacecraft. And when you said, "Yeah, I'm just not a fan of duality," you're like you're you got your hand on on the gears. You're ready to crank that baby up and and head into the tent. And that's good. That's the kind of spunk you got to have, you know. Because as, if, you, if you still were a fan of duality, you'd still be back on Earth, <laughs> dealing, dealing with the dramas, <laughs> the dramas in Earth. But that's, that's fantastic that you feel that way. I'm glad you're so disinterested in the planet now. Uh, that is really good. You're ready to, to go off into the stratosphere and, and go right at the tent. You know? uh, it, it means so much for you to say that to me. Thank you. Oh, love you, Robert. Love you, Robert. It's beautiful. <laughs> okay, next we have Sherry Mosley. Go ahead, Sherry. Hey. 
Hi, Can Shay. you hear me? Yes. It... <laughs> Hi, David. Hi there. Hi. Hi. I'm kind of caught up in the present moment now. I felt like I had things to say maybe 30 <laughs> minutes ago, and now things are moving so quickly. Um, I've seen this movie so many times, and I do really love this movie. And this time was totally different. Um, there was just so much. I was quite emotional at the end. And um, there was just this, it was mostly, I think, um, I think, as you know, and, you know, I've been posting on Facebook that I'm, you know, trying to do my next assignment of putting out this second book. And I've had a lot of um, attachment to the material, even though I didn't write it. <laughs> you know, it's a scribed material. And, um, but there's part of me that, you know, there's always these new levels of I'm crazy, I'm going crazy. And what are people going to think? I'm going to be responsible for this. And just all these layers that I had to peel back and um, watching this movie, the entering the radiation zone, as you were saying, that that's what it feels like. You know, there's always these different levels of the radiation zone. And as soon as you get through one, you get to the top of that threshold, then you're at the bottom of the next one. And then there's the next and it's constant presence and receiving the guidance to just keep going forward there's not really like an end point <laughs> per se um so it was really motivational to see them going through that um fear of going through the radiation zone with all the warnings right the warnings are kind of like you're crazy what are you doing why are you believing these people they could be making all of this up and you're believing them and going forward Right. And then, you know, the story, the movie would have stopped right there and it would not have been at all the same as it as it was. So watching that unfold, it was um, purely motivational. Of, well, this is the most exciting part. <laughs> right. I need to just jump over this hurdle and move forward with this. And now you are also talking about the sleeping. My sleep has been so strange. Like I'll be awake in the middle of the night and then not getting a lot of sleep. And then the next day I'm not tired. <laughs> like what's happening? It, it, this is disorientation of being removed from time. Um, and I know that, you know, maybe schedules may be different, but this is, uh, it's like I'm being moved to a place that's outside of what's day, what's night, what's sleep, what's awake. There just is. And it's a very surreal experience. Um, that seems to be opening up a new level of something. <laughs> so I really enjoyed this movie because it feels like it's very connected to that. Um, you know, they're basically going to this new earth, right? The one that they were a part of ended and they had to go through this great awakening to rebirth this new earth as we're all doing now in, in our own ways. And so just this is very powerful. So thank you so much for bringing this movie forward. Beautiful. Thank you. And yeah, we're so joined in this. We're, you know, like I know that feeling where you seemed like you're flying over the, the radiation area. You know, it's, I was watching tonight how when they, were, they first flew in there, or the radiation area, um, his wife was saying, you know, oh, this is not good. We're going to die, we're going to die. And he said, no, we're not. 
And then when the, his craft, aircraft got hit and it started to sputter, he said, maybe, maybe he went from, we're not going to die, to maybe because it still was part of his conditioning, like, oh, that's not good. As long as I can fly over the radiation area, we're not going to die. But when the plane got hit, he went from, we're not going to die, maybe we will, you know. He shifted quickly, but then he it, it got went on and on when he landed. You know, he got to face another Tom Cruise. You know, it's like that was not what he was expecting. He was he was going down to holler to talk to the guy, and then all of a sudden it's 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 Tom. This is this character pointing a gun at him, and he's like, "Oh my God!" Like then everything starts to shake. But I think it's good to know that we're in this together and we're just walking through it. I remember. I think it was last year. I was over. I was over in Mallorca, Spain, and um, suddenly the spirit just decided to do a fast. Fast. I mean, I mean, a fast, a not eat, day, day after day after day, week after week. And I, re I remember looking at my pants, and I'm like thinking, hmm. you know, <laughs> these things are not going to stay stay on very well. I'm glad I have a belt because the spirit was like, yeah, but I wasn't even thinking about not eating. It just didn't, I got no guidance to eat day after day after day and then week after week and uh, by the time I made it up to uh, the castle up in Holland, people were coming up to me, you've lost a lot of weight and I'm like, yeah, well, it's like but it's the involuntary nature of things. It's like fasting without trying to fast, or being up vibrant in the middle of the night with something to share, or just being just up and vibrant, and then you think, okay, I'm going to be tired the next day, because that's part of the conditioning, you know. That's the meaning read onto the dream. If you don't sleep at night, then the next day you drag, you know. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh great, now I don't sleep and I, st I have energy. Like, what the heck? But that's where we have, we have each other to go on this journey because we're, we're starting to realize it really is a dream. You know, like, nothing has any meaning apart from the meaning we give it. No matter how many times we've repeated something and tried to convince ourselves that if you don't sleep you should be tired, there's always that one occasion that comes and you, you go, oh, you throw your hands in the air and it's like, oh now, okay, now you're, gonna, you're telling me I don't need to sleep. You know, it's, it's that way. That's how I felt with, okay, now I'm not eating. Oh, great, good plan, that's a good one. Don't eat, don't get hungry. Okay, Thank you. that's really human of you. Yeah, that's right. You know, you really start to, to, start to say, all right, I'm in the tractor beam, and I'm getting beamed up, and it's going to go how it goes. And my part is not to resist it, and not, definitely not to judge it or try to control it. And I think a lot of people are going through that right now uh, in, in all different seeming layers and uh, dimensions. So thank you for sharing that. And, and yeah, I got to see that on, on Facebook, that you had the book, and I'm glad you joined with Christine, she was your mighty companion to, to really keep you focused there. I'm glad that, see that works perfect too. You have, 
you have a thought like, how's this going to go? And then there comes Christine. And you have just what you need, always. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was quite, I, I was really stuck. <laughs> I was just resisting, resisting. And I reached out to her. We haven't talked for a while, but we went through, we used to do the movie uh, movie nights every week for like about a year and a half. Um, and so we went through that process together. And then we just, um, I got busy with the first book and had to do that assignment. And then when I got stuck with this, I was like, oh, I, I really need to connect with you. Um, I wasn't really even thinking about the book. It's just what came forward and it cleared so quickly. And then literally it was, was it on Monday? I laid out the whole thing so quickly. I was like, oh my God, what just happened? (laughs) You know, the floodgates opened. I'm like, why have I been sitting on this? It's all right here. So it's exciting. Yeah. See what's past the radiation zone soon. (laughs) I want to know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's good that you can share all these things. Sava's been sharing too, because she's had so much music coming through, but at all different times, it may start one song, then it starts another song, then it says, no, get technical here and learn how to use this and this. There's no rhyme or reason to it. It's just totally a listen and follow experience. And if somebody, you know, tried to, to write it down or make sense of it, they would just go, that is crazy. You are just at the Spirit's calling every second of the day and you have no clue what's coming next and there's no rhyme or reason to it and everything. It's like, yeah, 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 that's the Spirit's uh, method of operation. Because it's all designed just to spring the mind back into unity, you know, to, to take us away from this idea that we as a human being have to know what we're doing. Even Jesus said, don't let the left hand know what the right hand is doing. You know, he he was really encouraging us even 2,000 years ago to be clueless and, and to be carried along by the Spirit so we could merge with the Spirit. But to the to the ego, that is just ludicrous. You know, that's just like, oh no, that's not going to, that's not going to cut the mustard here. But it's it's the fire hoses out, like I said, with Anna. So we might as well let the rinse occur. You know, it's it's just gonna, it's just the way it is. So, thank you, thank you, Sherry. Okay, we have one more hand up. It is Susan Jameson. Go ahead, Susan. Hello, everyone. Whoop. I don't want to see me there. Hi. Hi. I love these movies. Thank you. I mean, I love last week. I love this week. I've never seen this film. And I just wanted to share that it reminded me of Egyptian mythology, where Julia is remembering, remembering Jack. So like Isis remembered Osiris, and together, holding both, they came to Ra, and they remembered who they are. So it was so cool when they were showing a thousand, you know, that there were a th- that he was broken up into a thousand pieces, however that was. And then her memory brought them into that oneness. 
So I thought that was very, very cool. And the, um, the radiation was that zone, radiation zone, reminded me of the, uh, the pyramid, the Great Pyramid of Giza. And I, I don't know if anyone had experiences there, but this is a long parable, which I'll write out and share with you. But I was in there with someone who reminded me of Morgan Freeman, who was bringing through this multidimensional being. And going through the tunnels and the passages, it reminded me of the landscape of that movie. Because you were facing, as Samadhi said, the guardians of the gate. So everything of the unconscious is before you. And you go through it only with your mind and your desire, the heart and the mind. So you can go through this. And we, we wound up in the king's chamber where we did these meditations that were like, you know, again, out of this world. And I think those, that was the first time I heard him say, we're going back before Abraham was, I am. Mm -hmm. So that was, but that's what this film was doing for me. I was seeing, going through these chambers with these different scenes. <laughs> so I just wanted to share that. I feel like I haven't slept since last week, but I'm great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's so beautiful. so powerful, so powerful, wow. so beautiful. Yeah, that's beautiful because I do like that part of the movie where, where that like first lieutenant for the for Morgan Freeman was like saying, "What makes you think he's going to be any different? Like he's he's seen all the clones before, and and he's not convinced. He's he's convinced they're all evil." They're clones and they're evil. And, and he's, Morgan Freeman says, uh, well, I, he doesn't see it, but she does. And that's that beautiful teaching from the Course that it just, it takes but two. Two minds with one intent become so strong that what they will becomes the will of God. That, that it's so powerful to think that you can just join, even with one person, so completely that all ideas of separation vanish from the mind, because they're not true, they're not real. And it's just, to me, that just brings back to the power. When you're mentioning these experiences you had in Egyptian experiences and Egyptian mythology, you know, that that's very powerful because it's you see that with, uh, even in the Matrix, you know, someone has such a faith uh, in someone that even when they doubt themselves, uh, that faith is so strong that it, like, it, carry, it lifts everyone, literally up to that oneness. And uh, that's, that's a good example with Jesus. That's kind of a, a way of like, falling in love with the Christ because as you do that, you know, you start to realize that it never was about bodies or people or anything. It was just about this singularity. Um, it was interesting too, Svava was telling me too, you know, because she went through a phase where it was an undoing phase where you, you just give it over and collaborate and collaborate and collaborate. So she went, she had this song she received and it was this beautiful song, and she said, oh, 
I feel it's to be a collaboration. So we both have a friend who lives over in Denmark, who's an amazing uh, musician. Uh, he's a beautiful voice, he's technically beautiful, he, he writes songs, he plays songs, he can play instruments, he, he's, he, we've known him, Jacob Mathewson. And so she starts collaborating about this song, and she's even playing. Like she finished, she gets the song, and she sends it off to him, and he starts singing on the song, and this whole collaboration starts. And then at some point of the whole development of that song, it shifted for Svava, where she started to realize that the lesson that she was really learning from Jesus was that the collaboration wasn't between people. You know, the whole thing was just designed to open her heart up and open her mind up and really see that she was just collaborating with, with Jesus. Basically, it was more like, keep your eyes on me now, like, totally focus with me, just follow exactly what I, like the Matrix, I can guide you, but you must do exactly as I say. And, and it shifted from kind of a, a horizontal thing, which, which is two, two or more people collaborating, to she had to really take it all back. And, and the funny thing was, Jacob's uh, son fell, had to go to the hospital, which basically ended the horizontal collaboration. But when he did, she had to take the song back and then take it right to Jesus and have that be a vertical collaboration to complete everything. That was really the lesson. It was like, keep your eye on me. This is where you have to do it. Just like Anna was saying, just focus, focus on the Spirit. And then Jacob reflected it back and said, you know, just listening to the song gave me the strength to go through everything I needed to go through and be there for my son who had fallen and was in the hospital. So the song was just used for a lesson in mind. And when we, that's really a good example for all of us that it's never really a personal lesson. We can't, we can't really say to ourselves or anybody, oh, I'm glad, did you learn your lesson? You know, you try to tell a child, did you learn your lesson? It's like, you know, it, it backfires because the only lesson is pure acceptance. Pure, pure acceptance. And how do we reach the lesson except by listen and follow? You know, by totally being willing to listen and follow. Like I was just saying with Sherry, you know, even with all the nuances, like, and the ego comes, comes in there and says, are you crazy? Are you crazy? You're gonna, this looks foolish and that looks foolish. You know, better to look foolish and not care and be enraptured by the Lord <laughs> than, than to be concerned about nothing, which is what the ego's big game is. So thank you for sharing that, because that's, I always love the connections like that. Stephen's always good to it, making all these connections, and that's beautiful to have that uh, connected to Egyptian mythology. I didn't, I've seen that movie a number of times, but I never, never saw those things, so thank you. Thank you. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Every time we do these things, more, more nuances, more loving little reminders come to us. We get clearer and clearer, more, 
more focused. Okay, well, I think Eric said that was the last hand that was up, so, wow, what a night. What did we start at six? Our alarm starts at 11. <laughs> I was thinking. Our alarm. <laughs> 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 We've, it must mean we're finished <laughs> for now. <laughs> so thank you all. Thank you all for joining. It's been such an absolute delight to share this time with you. And we love you. And uh, we see all of our, our co-living hands are all up there. <laughs> That's beautiful. God bless you. Have a good night. <laughs>